0: Hello and welcome to Nourishing Books and Bites, where I chat with inspiring people about some of the great projects, events, books and other uplifting things they're involved with to help shape a better tomorrow today. They're all people who are having conversations and taking action with their communities for fun, to create change and sharing hope and joy along the way. I'm Anthea, the host of Nourishing Matters to Chew On, a podcast series that includes Nourishing Books and Bites episodes and is presented by Foodswell. I acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connections to land, water and culture. I acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Jade, welcome and thank you for taking time to chat with me on Nourishing Books and Bites where we chat about books, upcoming events, inspiring people and projects who together are shaping a much better tomorrow by doing great things in and with their community. And just as importantly, sharing hope and fun and joy along the way. You and your co-host, Katie Payne, do all of that and so much more through your really wonderful podcast, Future Steady. Welcome, Jade. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. I came out of the paddock to be here. I was up there trying to fit stones into a jigsaw puzzle of stone walls. Oh, that sounds gorgeous. Yeah. (laughs) Good excuse to come out of the paddock.
0: Bit of wilding in the paddock. Were your kids with you or are they at school?
1: Uh, No. Well, the older boys are up at a leadership program in the High Plains and the little one is at school. Jade, I just love
0: future studying as you... As you know, Um, I love the style of conversations that you have, the amazing sorts of people and the eclectic and wide-ranging experience and and wisdom that's there. And I just love the whole retake and remake with compassion and the solidarity spirit and focus of it all. As a listener, I just so enjoy learning about and feeling part of an ever-expanding community of people who are really thinking about living, writing and working creatively to see more caring and considered sorts of futures, you know, around food, consumption, community connection for resilience, strength and joy and and supporting one another in place and as people. There's so much we could talk about, but among the zillions of things that you do as a mum and co-steward with your husband, Charlie, of Black Barn Farm near Stanley in Victoria, over the past year or more you've been sending these amazing future setting stories out into the world, as well as well as working on a new book. So, how do you juggle it all?
1: <laughs> well, actually, COVID worked in our favour because it just meant that we had a lot of time at home, and so there weren't quite as many moving parts with time in cars and you know kids all over the place. Um, I think if we weren't in startup phase of the farm, the juggle would be probably more joyful. At the moment, it's pretty stretched. Actually, as I sit here, there are about 12 people out on our property at the moment with stone walls and timber getting milled and slabs getting poured and walls getting painted. And so there's lots of moving parts. Um, Oh, look, it's literally a day at a time. Um, The future steadying concept is something that's been floating for a number of years in my brain in the ether. And (laughs) last year was really an opportunity off the back of the fire season. Charlie was away for a big block of time with the fires and there were quite a few kind of big incidents that happened with the fires and he has a number of fire roles so it didn't just go during the burn period but then it extended weeks and weeks beyond that with post-fire analysis and management and it really consolidated my desire to bring the whole concept of future studying, which really lands squarely back in the hands of the people with opinions. I just, I felt like I'd spent months listening to people saying, this needs to be fixed. They need to change that. Someone needs to do something about this. And really the reality is that That someone is us, and it's no longer okay for us all to continue to point the fingers but do very little ourselves. We know better, and um, humans are incredible people or incredible beings. And it's kind of time for all of us to really take a really hard look at the way we exist and start to meet our ideals with our actions and. So I thought, right, it's all very well for me to have these opinions, but I actually need to do this too. And if I think I can bring something to the table, then I will. So um, Katie is an incredible human and she, you know, she's a little bit different to me. She lives in the city, whereas I live in the country. She's 10 years younger than me. So she brings a really different perspective. And the other thing she does is um, brings a lightness and a joyfulness, which I think is the most important thing to future studying. And you know, we know what's going on and where the complexities are and where the challenges are that we face as a race globally. But I think you can get really you can get really daunted by that, or you can say, I'm actually going to bolt together a whole series of itty-bitty actions every day that make me feel like I'm contributing to something bigger than me and that um, you know, don't overwhelm me and daunt me, and my children, and my community. So, future studying, as the book concept started to evolve really rapidly, and I said to Katie, "Let's bring this to life." And the book, at that point, we still hadn't quite defined what the future studying principles were, but we have defined those now. Do you want me to talk about what they are? Well,
0: well, can, well, can I give you my sort of layperson's yeah Then I'd love to hear your your iteration on it. Yes, yeah. I think I think in your introductory episode. I think it might be Katie who says, oh, it's a completely concocted concept of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of, of homesteading permaculture and a more regenerative existence. And I thought, well, that's a pretty damn good concocted concept.
1: Well, it's exactly that. So if you use that as a foundation and then realise that everybody can do it and that it doesn't cost anything, then it's actually something that you can start really small with and you can, you know, it might be a pot of parsley on your kitchen bench. And, you know, that could be activism in one small shape. But really, I mean, I guess the guess—the overarching principles are to meet Mother Nature. So just get out there. The more our kids and the more we are in connection with what's going on around us in the in the natural world, the more inclined we are not to be overwhelmed by it. Um, the more we want to be in it, the more we feel it's it's soporific and healing benefits, and the more we start to build a bit of a rhythm, with, you know, with what's going on in the biggest scene of things to celebrate simple and I. I find simple a tricky word because, um, you know, even the life that I live as a homesteader, it's not simple. It has a million moving parts and simplicity is to oversimplify it. But to celebrate it, I mean find simpler ways and give yourself space to breathe and to really see, hear and feel the abundance around us because I think sometimes we're so complex as human beings and in the industrial world everything is complicated because we have long supply chains and you know we're so highly geared that until we spare it all back and really find the beauty and the simplicity then um, you start to seek more and more and more and that's actually not sustainable we can't continue to do that to make your place and I don't mean paint your walls purple and um <laughs> you know and own the house that you live in I mean to hold your heritage, your stories, your memories, and the hopes that you want for life deep in your heart. And, you know, it's more than a mark on a map. Your place fans your deeper sense of belonging and it enables curiosity and commitment to your people, to yourself, and to your culture. And I think those are the things that we lack because we've been swept up in the exciting, glossy, shiny lights of a consumptive existence. And so finding your place is much richer and deeper than that. And it leads into another uh, principle, which is seeking ritual, and that's about creating patterns and rhythms, rites of passage and processes. And, you know, that's about doing things with others and seeking time alone in equal measure. It's about growing and healing and, and building time with your people. That isn't just earnest and i have a tendency to get a little bit earnest so it's lovely to just be reminded that you know tom Fullery and conviviality are actually the things that you know build the building blocks of a really rich wonderful life and that and that and that and that bridge difference and uh,
0: help people find their common connections even even with difference
1: exactly that's right because there's far more similarities in humanity than there are differences actually if we just put a few of those kind of media perpetuated uh, differences aside and it also leads you into the the fifth um principle which is creating your clans and and really that's just acknowledging that we're only as strong as those people that are around us and that is equal measure of uh, give and take and um you know leading hand in hand and and with our hearts i have a tendency to use my head a little bit too much but i'm rapidly learning in my 40s that my heart does tend to know so just Uh, seeking the people that are are like-minded around us saluting the seasons and i talk about this all the time because we now live in a world especially as we're more urbanized than we've ever been we live in a world where you could in fact not really be aware of what season it is because you're in an air-conditioned car or an air-conditioned house or office and um You know, our environments and atmospheres are pretty curated and managed. And so actually embrace the fact that it's bitterly cold in the middle of winter and put a coat on in the rain and go walking in puddles. And, um, you know, if it's as hot as Hades, then have a cold shower and lie out under under a tree and, and stare at the sky and go cloud watching with kids. Or just embrace what the four different seasons are and really actively notice and respond to those. And then the seventh of them is... And it's probably the most powerful of all, I think, is to love local. And I don't mean that as a, you know, a branded catch cry that goes out from local councils to try and encourage people to to just shop locally. But I mean, truly seek solutions for the things that you want and need in your life in your own backyard, because I can tell you they're there. And by doing that, you then support the most amazing people around you. And it then acts like a little spiral where the strength and the focus and the energy from from the heart really then spirals outwards and, you know, if everyone's doing this in their own little patches, then we have these amazing communities.
0: Oh, that's gorgeous. Um,
1: Just listening to you speak, it's you
0: know, it's like uh, beyond modernity and reconnecting with nature in a deep and considered way about being in nature and in place but also with the uh, insight and the almost elegiac uh, reflection. That all of us, I think, have gained from the droughts, from the bushfires, and now from COVID, we, we, we can we know and viscerally feel that the system is broken. But there are the, all these seeding ways of, of of living more regeneratively and taking hope and and having a positive impact. And that's what all of the stories you share. Everyone's making a positive impact or helping engender a system where they are that that um, that nurtures abundance, doesn't it?
1: It does, and they all you know, they're all so different. We've now got nearly 50 interviews up (laughs) and, you know, there's males and females and younger people and older people and people that live in the city and people that live in the country, people that earn more, people that earn less, people that are at very different extremes in terms of how um, wholly and solely they have embraced a changed existence. But there's some really common themes and, um I guess one of them is to lead with your heart and to really listen hard to what it tells you is needed. Um, To find other people and not do this alone, and and feel that sense of solidarity that comes from the myriad of of cobwebbed design that is coming from the individuals all across the world. No one needs to carry anything on their own, and you know that's quite a reassurance. That happens all the time. The other thing that comes through really strongly is. that preaching about it isn't going to change anyone's mind. And so just doing it and doing it joyfully and showing people that actually your life is still pretty abundant and still pretty wondrous is seemingly the theme that everybody sticks with no one barks instructions down anyone's throats and so you know that's been really lovely because I guess when you kind of decide that you're going to change the way you live you kind of go on a bit of a journey yourself and you think oh I've discovered this new way and I'd like everybody to discover it too and then all of a sudden people are steered away from you because um you know it all feels a little bit born again <laughs> that's right yeah exactly
0: and if you're going to go the distance you know it it, it as you say it's got to be Authentic and and um, nurturing of yourself, your family, your friends, and and something that's joyful to carry, not a burden. Yeah, hmm.
1: yeah. And you need to be really comfortable that the community that you build will only go at the pace the community is ready to go at. So even if you push harder or you lead from the front at a clipping trot. It, it'll only catch up when it's ready. So there's no point burning yourself out going harder. I've learned that the hard way. Just
0: stepping back a little bit, because obviously I just want to pay homage to the wonderful Katie Payne. Um, your, your joyful comrade in spirit and 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 in the audio with you as you've already said can, can you just quickly tell us how 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 did you two meet or have you known each other all your lives or how did you two connect
1: no i'm i'm saddened that i haven't known her all my life i wish i had because she's a, an incredible human uh no she appeared one day in a blaze of dust in her little blue Subaru at <laughs> our farm as a farm volunteer. She came and lived with us for seven or eight weeks. Actually, she says seven weeks. I, in my head, think it was 10 weeks and maybe it just felt larger than it was. But um, she was our very first on-farm volunteer and uh, she brought her partner, George, and her gorgeous dog, Dave, with her. And we all kind of cut our teeth on our farm volunteer virginity, really. She had done lots of farm wolfing before but i had never hosted anyone before so she really set the tone for how how and why we should do it and then we just kept in touch um i I find her so delightful to have around and the way she thinks is so refreshing and whimsical and robust and ballsy and irreverent all of those wondrous things (laughs) that I thought I need more of you in my life so we just kept in touch and she did lots more woofing and moved back to Tassie and then she said actually I need we're moving to the mainland and I said great well let's get yourself a set of headphones and let's let's start talking on air she said I can never do that I said yes you can we're just going to do it and we're going to see where it goes. Yeah well I must say I was sort of
0: floating around and thinking about the, the podcast that this is a part of and and took quite a while to get launched because i kept on seeing all these amazing other podcasts popping up and i thought oh i don't need to talk about that future studies doing that oh i don't need to <laughs> talk about that one bite's doing that because there are and i think that was covid it's also the technology and people reconnecting with all the things we can do in our homes as you say connecting with with um katie in melbourne and there you are on your farm um But also this, you know, without being too earnest, but it is a really significant cultural moment. The twenties, the twenty twenties, drought, bushfires, COVID. You know, everyone's talking circular economy now. Everyone's rethinking community now. And so, I just think you guys hit the zeitgeist right at the right moment. Was it? Were you about to launch the series anyway, or did COVID have a have a direct impact on? why you did it and when you did it
1: No, uh, no, well we were launching it anyway so we I had written the first draft of the book and she had had a quick flick through that and so she had a really solid understanding really rapidly what it was all about and you know I could only make it stronger and better because of the way she looked with the lens she looks through in the world um no actually we were recording I had moved for three months down to where my family are all living for a number of reasons and I'd taken the kids down there and so we were much much closer to Melbourne they're all in Gippsland and um, she had done two days we'd done two days recording and we had about eight or nine in the bag and then we got this sense that maybe something was about to happen with this weird and wonderful disease that was coming from overseas and we didn't know what that looked like and then she was coming back to do another day of double day of recording the following week and she drove back just as lockdown happened So we kind of felt like we we got, I don't know, maybe 20 interviews recorded and ready to go and then we were separated and we haven't actually been back together since. So we got the first season to bed and then we've done everything else remotely since. And I actually haven't laid eyes on her since then in in the flesh.
0: And then you just launched with a fully captive audience. Yeah, amazing. As you say, you've you've almost got what it's 50, you're in series two, you've got over 50 episodes in the bag. So it's almost, it's impossible to talk about individual episodes too much. But I just wanted to say, you know, each episode is so personal and so particular. And you share, as you say, you share joy and abundance is core to all of the conversations, because that's what gives us all energy and momentum and authenticity really Um, and and you talk with all these amazing change-making people who are growing things at a small scale or a systems level or beyond Um, I was just wondering and and tell me if it's an unfair question but I just wondered if there were particular episodes or stories that really keep ricocheting in your mind or in your heart that keep coming back to you that you that you're finding you're being drawn back to dig even deeper into or or not?
1: I mean, there are a lot there and because there is an individual behind each of the conversations I've had, there is a um, a bond or a connection or a very personal intimacy with each of those individuals that has continued most definitely to to ricochet. Some not so much, others more so. The ones that have been the easiest to become the most intimate with and the most connected to are those who really gave us a lot of their... Uh, unguarded selves and so some of them we felt like they were very comfortable with interviews and they answered the questions and um, you know they gave us beautiful inspiring responses but they didn't give us much of themselves and so the ones that I've continued to hark back to are probably um, and this is like asking a parent to to identify, I know. So you don't
0: show. have to answer. You don't have
1: to answer. <laughs> but there are some that I definitely still. I've listened to a couple of them multiple times. So I've listened to Dan Palmer's a number of times because um, he is such a big thinker and he's such a clear communicator that um, his holistic decision-making approach to life is something that I'm fairly strongly guided by. As is my husband Charlie, and so I love the Dan Palmer episode. Um, Brenna Quinlan is so softly spoken, and she has a fierce, determined, focused beauty to the way she speaks and just the tone that she takes and the knowledge that she shares. I find her incredible. In fact, I would love to interview her again. I feel like she was only the second or third interview we had done, and we really didn't know what we were doing. We were kind of making it up. So, you know, and Sadie Cressman was a little bit similar. She, um, Oh, I feel like that was truly just like having a cup of tea. And Steph Phillips was kind of similar to that as well from Green, Green and Growing Things. I feel like we had, we've had we had lots of people who said, oh, I don't think I could. And then they've said, well, maybe I could. Oh, okay, I think I will. Okay, definitely let's do it. And they've been the ones who, you know, Tricia Hogburn from uh, Little Echo Footprints and Steph was a bit the same they said oh I just I feel like I couldn't possibly but then when you opened them up you got such incredible intelligence I don't know if you could tell when we were interviewing artists as family there were a couple of moments where both Katie and I just didn't speak and um, I don't know if I can speak for her on behalf of this but I was actually in tears a couple of times with some of the things that both Meg and Patrick were saying and yeah, uh, yeah, they they were incredible. I haven't actually re-listened to that because I haven't had the headspace to. He talks quite a lot about grief and the way in which we cope with grief in our culture, and uh, he also talks about rites of passage for young men. And he very openly talked about where he thinks he didn't succeed in the, that process with his oldest son and. Um, you know, I've got two boys of my own, so it hits really close to home and and makes me really aware that time is ticking, and I I need to be helping to facilitate these rites of passage processes for these young men that are heading out into the world. So, look, they've all taught every one of them has taught me an enormous amount, and every so we do the interview, and then a couple of weeks later we do the edit, and then it might be one or two weeks later that we actually air it. And sometimes I listen to it when you know my husband might want to listen to all the kids might want to actually rob greenfield he i make kids listen to that i think it's a really good one for kids to listen to because he talks about being this hot shot money-making um early 20 gent mm. dude yeah it's a full <laughs> dude and he, he talks in the right way for young boys especially to kind of connect with him and he said i wanted to be retired by the time i was 25 and now everything has changed and this is the life that i'm living and the way he talks I think really resonates with kids we run lots of schools programs at the farm here and I often encourage them to listen to Rob lovely pointers or heads up for
0: to, towards episodes that I'm going to go and revisit because they're some of the ones that I perhaps haven't listened to as closely but some of the ones I've focused on given nourishing matters focus on food systems like the ones you've had with um Charlie McGee, who I know from EduGrow days, a school garden awards program I used to run in Arnhem Land, or Kirsten Larson and Serenity Hill, who are just the work they're doing with the Open Food Network is just systems changing. Um, Mariah Gamble, um, just gorgeous. And of course, um, Cassie Duncan, uh, Diego Bonetto, uh, Joel Orchard, and then Kirsten Bradley of Milkwood, who I knew back in the days when she was with uh, Georgie and Georgie Lempke and Kim Cruz on when they kicked off on their regenerative ag journeys 10 years ago or so. And then, of course, Sadie Crestman from Fat Pig Farm. I haven't spoken with her, but I've spoken with Matthew Evans. And, uh, you know, what a complete pleasure that was. So that's just a quick summary, listeners, of some of the episodes we all think you should listen to. Thank you for that, Jade. That's just so rich. I just wondered, are there
1: other podcasts that you particularly love or connect with? I listen to the ABC Conversations all the time. Uh, Slow Home, I really enjoy Depends what I'm in the mood for. I listen to Making Permaculture Stronger. Again, that's Dan Palmer and I enjoy just him and his take on life. I often listen to Pip, actually, the Pip magazine, and that's sporadic so I don't feel like I'm ever missing one because it doesn't come out weekly or anything. And I listen to um, Chat 10 Looks 3. That is one I I listen to regularly, largely because I love the banter between two old friends. More than anything, I love the energy between two old friends.
0: Yeah, and the sense that they're having a really good time outside of
1: their other otherwise very serious jobs. Yeah, and the fact that it really genuinely does feel off the cuff. There was one the other day where Sale said, look, we have to finish this because I need to go and pick the kids up. Oh, <laughs> well, good. They didn't bother editing that out. That's very human. I love it. Oh, So
0: um, just uh, f- further on future studying and why everyone should uh, take some time to get to it and listen to it, but also just dig around on the website. One of the things I love about, you know, the work in progress that you both are just growing. Are uh, the amazing show notes, the dot point summaries, uh, the fabulous suggested books and films uh, that each of your uh, guests, you know, nominate? It's a really, really rich and growing list of um, ideas, inspiration, but also books. I saw, I saw recently that you, I think, on one of your episodes, you spoke about how you particularly love the Dumbo Feather magazine and and Tyson Yunker Porter's Sand Talk, which of course everyone's. Reading and talking about now, it is it is uh, a paradigm changer. I was just wondering, are you connected with the small giants team, or or you can, in in conversation around uh, donut
1: economics and Kate Rayworth? I'm
0: I'm a big fan of hers.
1: So, she's been on our list for a long time, and the small giants crew have quite a lot to do with the small scale regenerative ag movement. So, they are certainly participating in the same circles that pretty connected to. Uh, I sit on the board of the Organic Regenerative Investment Cooperative, and we do work with the small giants team on various projects across various things. And I'm just about to take another project on through Sustainable Table that I can't talk too much more about just yet but that um, has the potential to work with small giants as well but yes that's definitely they're definitely on our list and and you know the list is really long and we only do one a week and we have contemplated doing two a week because there are two of us so we figure we've got more capacity but actually both of our lives are very full so one is enough (laughs) you're well into season two yeah well actually we should be at the end of season two we both then decided that it was a bit of an arbitrary thing to say that that's the end but we're kind of we're kind of now into what is season three essentially, but we're just still we're still going on the next edition. Yeah,
0: yeah. And no, I was going to say, where to to the future? Open and organic and ongoing. It sounds like you've got a very uh, uh, viable system to keep tick just to keep having the conversations.
1: Well, I guess um, the book is due out in August, so that will be launched in the next couple of weeks. We signed off on that about three weeks ago, and it's all at the printers. So. That's in train really and August 3 will launch kind of a whole new platform for what future studying looks and feels like because it will be tangible and it's not just in your ears as amorphous voices coming to you from outer space, but um, there's something that you'll hold in your hand and I think that'll take it to a whole other level. And then essentially what we'll do is start to chop up the content that we're both creating. Now, I wrote the book on my own, but we're quite keen to start the development of a book called Future Steading 52, which is will be the part, second part of the Future Steading original book. And that's all the little itty-bitty things that you can do on a weekly basis that start to shift you. In on the front of uh, feasting, creating, building ritual, growing, and nourishing self and and others. So, you know, we'll we'll ideally come up with something that you can do every week that sit under all of those five categories that allows you then to kind of work through your year. Five categories and seven principles. That's right. Well, actually, I also the whole book is written across six seasons as well, which starts at the beginning of the growing season, really with awakening and then it moves into alive and then it it, it morphs into high heat before the harvest and then the turning and then that hibernation, cozy hibernation period of the deep chill over winter. So largely that revolves around a growing year, but also a year that you know, acknowledges when you have high social time and and introverted quiet time and when you're really leaning into those in your very, very tight circle and when you're a little bit more expansive and working with a much bigger cohort of acquaintances or, you know, what times of the year you've got opportunity to be quiet and contemplative and other times where you can be creative and loud. And so it's just kind of working through the seasons across the year but not, not the four seasons that we're used to dealing
0: with. Se- seasons... Uh, of community and of, of energy. And, uh, also, um, first Australians don't, don't work, don't work with a four season year.
1: They do not. And I referenced that in the book, but I don't actually, because they all have different growing seasons, depending on where they all are and depending on what the season, the, the particulars of their seasons look like, I didn't reference any one particular set but I certainly reference the fact that most people don't have just four seasons.
0: Jade, thank you so much for sharing uh, with with me and with our listeners today. Just uh, wrapping up. So the book is called Future Steading. Yeah, well, it's just called Future Steading. Yeah, Living Like Tomorrow Matters. Living Like Tomorrow Matters, fabulous, and when, and it's coming out in August, but there are pre-release
1: editions. Yeah, so pre-orders will go on the market in the next three weeks. So by the end of March, we should be right through Booktopia to do pre-orders, and then everything will be in the shops on the 3rd of August. It's being printed through Murdoch Publishing, who have been incredible, and their creative team have... Oh, man, have they done a beautiful job. So I had all the photography taken through a friend who just followed me around for a year and took photos. But they then partnered us with um, Megan Grant, who is an incredibly talented artist who has put her artwork all the way through the book. So that um, has really been a, a collaboration of of lots and lots of minds.
0: Future studying.
1: Get to it and read it.
0: And, if, and before then and while you're reading it, also uh Please take time to visit the wonderful Future Steading podcast and listen into their wonderful stories and inspiring people doing amazing things from the small to the large. And that's at futuresteading.com.au. That's right, isn't it, Jade? Okay, thank you so much. And um, any other any other call-outs or final words you'd like to, to share?
1: No, just the growing um, future-setting community. We have the most incredibly engaged group of humans that uh, listen to us without fail on the Monday morning every single Monday and um, then interact with us on all of our social media platforms. So we get incredibly good feedback that keeps us spurred on. So, yeah, thank you to everybody.
0: Okay, then, Jade, thanks so much.
1: Thank you so much.
0: See you soon. All right. Thanks for listening. To listen to more episodes of Nourishing Matters to Chew On and Books and Bites, head to Foodswell's podcast page at foodswell.org.au backslash nourishing. Or you can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. And stay in touch via Instagram at Nourishing Matters or Foodswell Australia. As this is a new podcast, we'd really value your support. So please give us a rating or review in your favourite podcast app so other people can find us too. Nourishing Matters to Chew On is proud to be on the Climactic Network of podcasts and part of a collective of podcasters dedicated to inspiring positive action around climate change. Check out the other great podcasts on the Climactic Network at www.climactic.fm.